0: Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. Thank you, announcer person. We are back for what is this? Our seventh, eighth, ninth, twelfth I think we're at number eight? Eight, I eight. Think it's eight. Eight. Yeah. 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 Guys of a certain age, Robbie Koblenz with uh, in studio, Mister Art Shirley, and uh, thanks to the wonders of Skype, we have uh, Mister Jay Reed say hello, Jay Reed. Hello, Jay Reed. There uh, you go, joining us. And that actually <coughs> sounds yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, thank you, Mister Bill Gates, for buying Skype and making it Make it actually function. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, guys, how are we doing? Doing well, doing well.
1: Uh, very Well, it's wet. It's a little bit wet. I think the art to work this morning. I'm, yeah, I'm sure I'm the first person to uh, use that joke.
0: Boy, I, I've been in. Uh, I've been in Michigan this week, and so it's been snow and ice there. But seeing what's happening here has been kind of uh, kind of interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it should be in by Sunday I think is what they say so again thank goodness I can't our weather report from the guys of a certain age <laughs> uh,
1: from the from the remote studio uh, helicopter the weather oh, that's uh, traffic sorry
0: there you go there you go well uh, Jay is joining us from his day job um, and art and I really sort of have jobs sometimes right. but anyway let's 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 dive into it. Our top of the show, our uh, geek of the week. What, uh, what have you guys seen the last time we since we recorded that? Kind of, kind of tingles your your geeky sense. Jay, you want to go? Or are you ready to start off?
1: I'll, I'll go ahead. and Start. I'll, okay, I'll, I can wait a second
2: okay um, there's been several things that have hit uh, geek of the week kind of thing I'll start with a sad note first just to you know mention this but Peter Torker the monkeys died and hey 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 oh, no. hey yeah yeah uh, announced that he passed away yesterday and uh, just uh, Davy Jones went uh, several years ago and so there's two of them left Mike and Mickey are left but uh, certainly uh, part of a big part of my childhood was uh, uh, listening to the monkeys and watching that show growing up to the fa- to the point that uh, uh, friends of mine and I, two friends of mine and another guy we recruited who was also a good friend but was, wasn't was really as into it as we were, we uh, used tennis rackets and uh, lip-synced <laughs> to uh, four album sides for our parents. Uh, oh, so they wow. had to listen to us. We pretended to be the Little Monkeys. Wow. And uh, <laughs> none of us could play, so we just listened to the, the album, uh, the Greatest Hits album. And uh, we were probably way too old for that to be cute. So yeah, that's my. That's wow. a, like I said, it's a sad moment, but it certainly brings back fond memories. Well, you
1: know, I'll I probably have that CD memorized. I'm pretty sure. Oh but, yeah. You
0: know, I never had that CD or album. I saw the TV show in reruns. I didn't see it on first run. Um, but you know, it was always interesting to me the. The reception the monkeys got as an uh, American answer to the Beatles, a manufactured TV reality sort of thing, the prefab fours they were often called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, pretty pretty good musicianship there.
2: Yeah, they were always slammed because they they said they did not play, and they were you know Peter Torque was was certainly one of the more talented musical guys in the thing. He could play banjo and bass and guitar, and uh, certainly came to it from more of a musical backgo- background. Uh, Mike Smith was a songwriter. Mike Smith. Mike Nesmith was a songwriter, actually wrote um, a different drum for Linda Ronstadt and Stone Ponies. So, you know, he had some background, too. Uh, and that was something that always frustrated him. I understand, is that they they wanted to be taken seriously as mu- musicians. And uh, often in the studio, they were not able to play their own songs. Yeah,
0: yeah. Daydream Believer. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah. Last Train to... Clarksville. Clarksville. I yeah. always want to say mm-hmm. Clarkdale. Yeah, Clarkdale. That's what we
2: say in Mississippi. That's, last Train to Clarksdale. That's right. Clarksdale. That's yeah. right. Uh What else? Uh, I'm a Believer. Did you mention yeah, that? Uh, yeah. No, I said uh, Daydream Believer. Daydream Believer, right. which is Davy Jones. Yeah. I'm a Believer, which was a Mickey song. Yeah. Uh, Randy Scouse Get was another song that do, was... Uh, do not remember yeah, that one at so, all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, listen to the band was a good one. Uh, like I mm. said Billy. Oh yeah. Bunch of really yeah. Good. And the thing is they had very talented uh, songwriters writing their songs. Boyce and Hart, uh, Neil Diamond for example wrote uh, wrote a lot of their songs. He
0: Neil Diamond wrote Daydream Day Day Believer. Believer, right? Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which has a
2: very Neil Diamond sound. It, it, it really still, does. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It really does. Um yeah well what so that's the sad note of your sad going. note
2: and the the fun note was and i think you guys are probably uh bigger action figure collectors than i am so this may hit y'all even more so than it hit me but the hasbro retro yeah and I, if i'm stepping on somebody's i'll back off and let y'all talk no, about No, not it. mine but, you're good but uh they're releasing uh retro versions of the kenner toys that came out uh right after star wars was released and for a lot of people that meant the first Christmas you either got the toys or you may have gotten the box that said the toy was coming in the spring. It, it wasn't.
0: It wasn't even a box. I've got one. You got one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Was yeah. a card or it's something? A, yeah. It's a card. It's like a big priority mail envelope you yeah, know, sort okay. of thing. So, I, I've got one of the reissues. I wanted that so badly for Christmas, uh-huh. and that was as as direct marketing was starting to take off, and so you would call in eight hundred number and my folks were just a little distrustful of that because that was new. right yeah you know mm-hmm. and and you know either a credit card or uh or COD if i remember correctly yeah COD that's right yeah
2: yeah, yeah so <laughs> but anyway that was in i've seen the packaging it's not you know they're not duplicating the original packaging there's uh Hasbro logos on it of course but there's a retro thing but the toys themselves look pretty authentic they do yeah. they do so for for all that's worth good or bad i mean they've obviously made improvements in the characters you know um, likenesses over the years but
0: so, so so does the lightsaber kind of stick out from the elbow from Luke's elbow? I didn't I didn't go that deep into it. You remember the uh, those original figures, Jay? I don't know if you remember this or not, but the lightsaber for the characters with lightsabers, there was a little trigger in their elbow, uh-huh. and it would slide down the arm, and it would come out, and that would
1: open up. Oh yeah, I definitely yeah. remember that. I, that. I probably got some. I'd have to check to see if I <laughs> if the lightsaber is still attached to his elbow. But yeah. I do remember the function.
0: Yeah, that was great stuff. So yeah, I was pretty pretty jazzed about that. So, yeah.
2: So. and uh, Leia and Darth Vader both wearing the same cloak. One's white, one's black. It's that's like right. they really did. <laughs> 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 it, you know, it looks like a really bad bathrobe on Darth Vader for some reason. It, but. it does. Then it turns
0: to a a teal blue for the uh, for the Bespin Leia oh, Yeah. You okay. Know? Yeah, I mean, right. from, from Empire later Strikes year, Back. Later so. years. Yeah. 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 Jay, what's your uh, what's your observations of geekdom for this week?
1: Well, I watched the movie this week. Uh, have y'all seen the movie Tag? I, no, I don't is that know good? No, it came no, to the theater. But you're in. I thought it was hilarious. And here's here's the, the sort of geek tie-in. Of course, all these guys, uh, it's based on a true story of about nine or 10 guys. Oh, who,
0: uh, yeah. I remember this. In story. High school, Jeremy Renner's yeah, in you know it.
1: They, yeah. Jeremy Renner's in it. Yeah. So they've got in the the true story was about nine or 10 guys in high school who played this ongoing game of tag and then they uh, when they all graduated, it kind of lost touch. But then a few years later, I think maybe nineteen.
0: No, 19- no pun intended with the lost touch. Yeah. Lost. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Very good. So ninety-one. Oh, that's good, good, good. Um, ninety-one, I think, or ninety-nine. Anyway, for for about the last thirty years, they they got together and they've still been doing this. So every February, whoever was it on the last day of February the the year before is now it, and they chase each other, you know, all around. Uh, and there's no tag backs, so you can't just like slap somebody back and, and get it. But anyway, so that's the true story. Came out in the Wall Street Journal. They made a movie, and the guys that were in the movie, uh, Jeremy Renner, um, and I. This is I, I. thought it was just kind of a geeky thing to begin with to be playing tag in your 30s and 40s. Uh, it sounds like a loads of fun too. Um, and, until you break guys, a hip. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a priest involved in the original group, so I think he could, you know, uh, pray for it. Heal you or do last rites,
2: whichever, you know, happened to be.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Be the chaplain in the hospital. But the guys who were in it, I was just looking through IMDb the other day. And, of course, Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye from the Avengers, um, Ed Helms. Y'all know him from The Office probably. Yeah. I tried the superhero connection with him. He was the voice of Captain Underpants. Now, I don't know if you call that an authoritative superhero, but it is cartoonish. um, It's definitely ish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. John Hamm, you know, who was big for Mad Men and um, things like that. Apparently, this is just one of those little videos that you see about who was considered for various other roles. Superman, Batman, yeah. Mm -hmm. Batman versus Superman, he was considered for Batman. So he wasn't in it, but Mm -hmm. he was considered. And then... uh, Jake Johnson, apparently he was into the Spider-Verse. He was maybe the voice of Peter Parker. I haven't seen that yet, so I don't know all the characters, but they that was a credit that he had. And then Hannibal Burris, oh yeah. Played Sable, said he was in Spider-Man Homecoming as Coach Wilson. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie in
2: a while. He's standing on the so wrong side of them. the TV when Captain America uh, talks and points to the guy, this man right here will be glad to tell you more about that. That's, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Awesome.
1: So I just thought it was cool. To begin with, the movie was hilarious, and it looked like this is something that would be fun to do anyway. And then when I started looking at, when I thought, well, that's very kind of geek of the week type stuff. And I thought, well, what are the connections here? And everybody had some sort of, albeit loose with with John Hamm, everybody had a a superhero movie connection. Which I guess these days, everybody that seems to be the thing to do seems fashionable. Everybody's trying to get in a movie, so there's probably more people to choose from. It's not just Christopher Reeves and uh, you know Gene Hackman anymore.
2: Yeah, Miss
0: Chessmaker. <laughs> Sorry, that was my Gene Hackman mm-hmm. Lex
2: Luthor. Uh, okay. Yeah. Another thing that's maybe more on the nerdy side is that uh, Jeremy Renner broke both of his arms, one of his arms before they started filming and was in a cast the whole time and they had to digitally take out and replace his arms. So he had as a blue cast on with track mark with not track marks <laughs> that sounds yeah. like heroin. But with the uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> with trackers on it yeah and yeah. they digitally replaced his arms for the whole thing wow so i in want tech? to see it just for that yeah intact so i want to see it just for that so um,
0: did they do a better wow. job than wow. cavell's mustache yeah yeah you know, yeah you're wondering Henry okay Cavill. how
2: could you not take a mustache out i mean yeah wow. wow well i would loan you the dvd art, i was gonna I, say I've already, is, I've already sent it back is to Netflix. it <laughs> did you get it on dvd <laughs> I sure did. Oh, my gosh.
0: Did you get it on VHS? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, well, wow. That's a nice transition to my little geek of the week. I don't know if you guys noticed this week or not. Uh, Samsung had two announcements. The one I want to focus on is they have announced they are withdrawing from the Blu-ray player market. So, I saw that. So, is this the death of Blu-ray as we know it. Um, still leaves Sony and I think Panasonic maybe. Um, to 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 make Blu-rays, um, one of the things Samsung did not jump on board some of the uh, Dolby Vision stuff, so not to get i guess this would be a little bit nerdy because i'm going deep technologically but the next big thing for for video is not necessarily 4k delivery even though everybody's got 4k sets Mm -hmm. it's something called hdr HDR. which is high dynamic range which means you get more latitude between brightness more steps of, of of brightness between dark and white black and white and so um which is actually better for the eye it makes it look deeper and more realistic and Dolby Vision is one of the, the standards for HDR. And Samsung, either uh, they just never licensed it or I don't know exactly what was going on. So there'll still be Blu-ray players out there. But, I mean, is this the end of physical delivery of, of, of movies as we know it? So,
2: because if they're able to deliver, if they're able to stream 4K HDR video, it's really hard to say why do I why do I want this uh, box and, and get this physical media unless, as you've mentioned before, that you want to have yeah. the collection. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and so that's that's kind of the uh, the 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 negative geek of the week. But uh, they also premiered their new uh, foldable phone yeah. this week. Was it the? It wasn't the Galaxy S10. What was the? The S10 was there. I saw a
1: right? picture of it, but I don't remember the name.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're really moving to um, we're really moving to the the foldable tablet becoming your phone. So you've got it all in one piece type of unit that you're going to take with you that will be your tablet when you unfold it but be your, your phone and easier to carry. So um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Now, Apple,
2: Apple did that first, but it was unintentional, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> the, the bendable, bendable phone. Yeah. The bendable
0: right. iPhone. Yeah, yeah. And even now, the um, the the iPad Pros yeah. can have a little bit of a bend in them mm-hmm. that is considered within factory tolerances, yeah. which uh, if I had that in mind, I would not put up with it i would go back and take it so but uh anyway it's not a
2: bug it's a feature it's not a
0: bug it's a feature so yeah yeah fun fun stuff so uh all right any final words before we uh say farewell to mr reed as he goes back to being a productive member of society and doing those things (laughs) i'm
1: glad you see it that way that that
2: he needs to do i will definitely be checking tag out yeah sounds good you should out
1: of the library i mean from the uh the <laughs>
2: From the yeah. box of red, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Go to the box of red and uh-huh. get it. So no, there you I go. think it's I think it's even available on uh, popular streaming platforms. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Is it? Is it yeah. really? Uh uh-huh. yeah. You know,
0: there's this thing called Netflix. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. when he gets his DVD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. But that's the uh, ta- That's the postal streaming <laughs> yeah, that's
0: service.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, as soon as the as soon as the streaming can show me every movie that I want to see without me having to buy another service then uh I will consider okay. uh changing my membership.
2: Jay's just changed the segment to curmudgeon of the week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get off my D
2: V D
0: player, you mangy kids. That's right. So right. yeah.
2: Well have a good one, Jay. All right Jay. Thank you. Until, for let me join in today guys. We'll see you soon
0: until we meet again.
2: Okay, we're back with guys of a certain age, and had a great conversation with Jay Reed from a remote location. Yeah, under undisclosed, undisclosed remote location. Although we may have mentioned in the earlier segment, I'm not sure. But nobody really knows that's where right. that's at. So. But you know, in his geek of a certain week segment that he was talking about the movie tag, he mentioned John Ham being considered for roles, and of course he's come up for Superman and Batman, and the Superman connection I've heard. Was if they ever do a movie adaptation of Kingdom Come, which Alex is Ross, of, yeah, yeah, Alex Ross and Mark Wade wrote the story, and um, we talked about books, you know, in, in in recent episodes. Actually, have two recent episodes of books, but did get into graphic novels too much, and that to me is my favorite graphic novel. I know there are others hmm. that are probably bigger critical successes, and and maybe not everybody is familiar even with what Kingdom Come is, hmm. but it's a it's an Elseworlds story as. as probably what I think is one of the most famous graphic novels, Dark Knight Returns. It's also set in the future and talks about how uh, the world is just kind of overrun with superheroes and uh, and getting Superman back into the mix and just uh, a battle between forces of evil and forces of good. And, and Captain Marvel, Shazam, plays a key role in it too. Oh,
0: that's right. That's right. Now did you read it when it was the original run?
2: No. I. In fact uh, – you know most of these that I'm calling graphic novels that that I consider graphic novels are actually collections of either exactly comic books or uh, a mini series of comic books and then put together. Now I did read it. I think I picked up on it. I don't have a collected version of it. Mm-hmm. so I did read it in the original run, which I think it was four uh, books originally. They were all larger books too. They weren't as I remember, uh, smaller comic books that were we'll put together. They were always put together in a prestige format kind of thing. Uh, with a trade paperback, yeah, look to it, yeah, yeah. and some of these, like, um, and Dark Knight Returns was done the same way. Am I correct on that? Was it also four?
0: Yeah, it was four four issues. Uh, of course, the legendary Frank Miller piece, and that that's probably the most influential graphic novel. Probably the most influential comic book for me is Dark Knight. Yeah, um, and it came out in eighty six. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Frank Miller's reimaging of the Dark Knight, and it was four issues. They were uh, instead of being the the saddle. Uh, sta- saddle stitched, yeah, yeah the saddle mm-hmm. stitch it was a um, uh it was a, a book binding yeah you know and S- I, square bound
2: yeah, uh, yeah. prestige format that's 44 48 pages is yeah. usually what you do when you're yeah. doing that yeah and uh uh again a, a more of a, a trade paperback kind and, of feel and, and on a much and it, higher quality paper
0: and at that time very difficult to find if you did not have a comic book store yeah
2: had to find it in a comic book store as yeah. far as I remember yeah. Uh, and 86, 87, that time period was kind of like the the real heyday or whatever, the graphic novel, at least originally starting out, because you had Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Green Arrow Longbow Hunters, which I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh, yeah, tr- sure. It was a three-issue series in the same kind of format. It came out in 87. And what I would say is probably arguably the, the biggest graphic novel is uh, Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Yeah. Uh and that's I've read that several times. It's a it's a it's a great and I think an important graphic novel. It's just not one of my favorite stories. <gasps> I tried, I said oh. it right here. Yeah, wow. Right. All
0: right. Hate mail to yeah, R. That's right. At that's right. He is stupid now.
2: I understand yeah, he is stupid.com. Yeah. I understand the importance of it. And like I said, it's really well done and it's a it's a brilliant piece, but I think for me it's just not one of my favorites because uh you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so depressing. Yeah, you know? it really is. And it's is. intentionally depressing. I mean, it's, it's absolutely what, uh, you know, Alan Moore wanted to do with the piece. And
0: what he's become in his and life. what he's become in his
2: life. Yeah. Uh, but Dark Knight Returns could also be considered to be depressing. But I don't know. There was just something about it that uh, yeah. that worked better to me. Well,
0: yeah, Dark Knight is kind of what got me into comic books at that mm-hmm. point. You know, I'd, I'd been collecting Star Wars comic books right. prior to that. And, um, so just this whole re-imaging of, of Batman and how gritty it was. The, the, the art was fabulous. Um, and that was the, probably the most flu- influential comic mm-hmm. I'd ever, I'd ever read. Didn't read Watchmen until, oh, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Was that right? Yeah. And I enjoyed it. And I, I kind of feel a, about Watchmen, like I feel about Elvis and the Beatles, I don't mm-hmm. particularly like it, but, but I appre- are, yeah, appreciate. I, the, I appreciate the uh, impact they had. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, enjoyed the enjoyed the movie by Zach Snyder. Well,
2: you and I went and saw that.
0: That's right, we did. And uh, oh yeah, you know, Doctor Manhattan, yeah, three hundred feet tall. feeling comfortable
2: uncomfortable? Okay, so <laughs> yeah. they are pulling no punches here yeah. with uh, Doctor yeah. Manhattan. That's right. But I thought, and you know, this was. Zack Snyder thing and uh, but man he you know I, know I know people feel different ways about Zack Snyder and about this movie that he did but I thought what a what a faithful rendition absolutely of that book it's
0: like you fell into a page
2: absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah you, you, you could if you had read the book if you were familiar with the graphic novel at all. It looked exactly like what you what you saw on the page, yeah. which was incredible at that time. to it me. It was,
0: and the casting was great as well. And uh, and I
2: actually liked his ending. A lot of people thought, "Oh, you changed the ending too much from the story," you know, yeah. where the big octopus comes out. Spoiler alert! Sorry for yeah. those haven't read the book, yeah. but um, I, I thought his ending worked better. For, I don't think you could have pulled that off in the movie.
0: No, it'd been really difficult. Yeah.
2: I like the I like the ending in the comic book. I just think in the movie it wouldn't have worked as well. Well,
0: you know, times change, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, that's one of those things where it. it I don't want to say it was appropriate for the time it came out, but it fit the time mm-hmm. in the in the in, in the culture at that point. Now, uh, yeah, a big yeah. octopus would be regarded as you know very Tim Burton esque. <laughs> right. So,
2: uh, but um, one moral I, I want to mention is, and uh, because I don't think it gets enough love, is uh, DC: The New Frontier by Darwin Cook. Absolutely, that came out two thousand four. Now, for me, I'm you know. A Bronze Age DC Justice League kind of guy. Those junkie, are my guy. Junkie, those are say. my those are my those are my yeah. my heroes. And I know you're more of a Marvel guy. And yeah. That's not to say either one of us exclude the other. I mean, that's right. Uh, I, I certainly love all things Marvel as well. But for me, growing up, and you know, eight years difference or whatever, that was where my sure. you know, really kind of super friends, but you know, more of a, a grown up version of Superman. Yeah. Uh, super friends. But Darwin Cook, the late Darwin Cook, just a brilliant uh, artist, I thought. I loved his style. But really captured that feeling again of uh, the the late 60s or the the 50s and 60s kind of uh, feeling and brought that – Brought that into that that novel, that graphic novel. I thought it was really nice.
0: Yeah, that was that was a good piece, and I've got that. You know, I find myself at one point in my life, I was a collector. When I moved to Starkville, and we had a phenomenal comic book shop. Shout out to uh, Rob and Steve Snell and a moment of silence for the late mm-hmm. Gundog Comics. Okay, and so I would I was picking up a lot of books at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Dark Knight was was one of those things that that's like. Okay, I love comics, but I I realized I did not... I did not want to wait for the next issue. I right. want to read the mm-hmm. whole thing yeah. when it's run. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but back to graphic novels. Uh, another important graphic novel for me was Gotham by
2: Gaslight. Yeah. See, I've not read that. I need to read. You that. have not yeah. read Gotham I know. That's by Gaslight. That's uh, yeah, it's one that's been on my list. And uh, you know they made it. They've made an adaptation of that. They did. As a, uh, they did. But, but and I want to see. I read the book instead. You know, I want to. I want but to see that, them.
0: that is what kicked off that whole alternative. Alternative History, Ellsworld's uh, thing for, for Batman? Oh, yeah. I for, mean, for uh, DC. Uh, DC. Yeah, yeah. was Gotham by Gaslight. Mm-hmm. And that's a re-imaging of Batman in Victorian-era London uh, as he tries to catch Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all your, your typical Batman myth, mythos man i cannot even talk yeah yeah Uh yeah. um all those characters recast into a victorian era Mm -hmm. london setting and it was really brilliant yeah and and that spawned a bunch of other things but that was kind of the first that Mm worlds. hey let's let's take what we know and kind of cast it in a different era Mm -hmm. um that was great really enjoyed that um Death of Captain Marvel.
2: Yeah, see, the, the, the back, to, back right. to Marvel. And those are ones that I didn't read until later. Probably, yeah. you know, didn't uh, didn't see those until later. The whole Civil War series, you know, that whole. Yeah. And again, I know these were collections of, yeah. of comic books or, you know, maybe in some cases larger format books. But uh, I still consider them a graphic novel. They have a, a definite beginning and middle and end to the story. Yeah. They were meant to be told. You know, as a story as opposed to here's a, just a series of episodes. That,
0: and, and it's really interesting how comic books have changed in and of that uh, they would almost be bottle episodes, practically. Oh, yeah. When yeah. I was
2: reading, like I said, in the in the mid-70s, uh, when I was collecting, you could pick up an issue and uh, very rarely did you have to have read the issue before. Yeah. And that started to change and, and you pick up, and but it would be more thematic. Yeah. you know the episode itself would be completely or the whatever crime that need to be solved would oftentimes be completely uh, encapsulated in that one issue. There may be broader themes that were carried over yeah but uh, you know you could pick up that issue and do that and I do kind of like that. I think we may have gone too far the other way sometimes where, uh, you know the storytelling takes so long to take place
0: and it's very difficult to get into it if uh, if you haven't been in it already there's no easy access points and right. so it's the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth but you know as, as we've gone to more serialized storytelling it lends itself to to graphic novel collections which is I think yeah what, what uh, we define as graphic novels yeah so. and that's
2: what I'm, I'm the same way because like I said when I was going and kid going to the you know grocery store at that time pulling uh Comic books off the circular rack, which I still wish I had one of those at home.
0: I have a friend of mine selling one on eBay. He's going to put one on eBay. Oh, I have for, to look for that for a couple hundred bucks. Mark Largent. Okay, well, yeah. maybe
2: call him directly before he puts it up there yeah. because I've wanted one forever.
0: He said they're in great shape.
2: So. Yeah, good. Yeah, but then when I moved to Memphis, uh, graduated college, moved to Memphis. That's where I was first around a comic book store for you know any significant period of time, and and that changed for me too. I would go. And my thought was, I need to get the biggest bang for my buck, so I'll pick up this collection. Or that's where I saw Dark Knight, and kind of, as you said, that started yours. That kind of rejuvenated my interest in comics for a while because I said, Wow, look what they're doing here! Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that bothers me about the Dark Knight is it worked so well as an alternative to what he was currently. Yeah. But unfortunately, they took it and made him made him that now. Yeah. And so and now they can't get away from that, and that's not. I think. Frank Miller was brilliant in in saying that this is what he evolved to over time, and now that we say he's that from the beginning, doesn't work as well. And, of course, he did a little bit of that with uh, Year One, which is also another favorite of mine. Oh, man,
0: Batman Year One's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, away from the the two big uh, comic book publishers – uh, a graphic novel that I thoroughly enjoyed. again, it was a collection. So, mm-hmm. we'll, you know, we're using that broad term of graphic novel, mm-hmm. but it was the original, I guess, 16 book run. Maybe it was only eight book run of, um, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah. Eastman and Eastman Laird. Laird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so prior to the cartoonization, I can't mm-hmm. even really say, I'm making up <laughs> words. I can't even pronounce the words I'm making up. Um, prior to the cartoon era of of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mm It was a pretty dark yeah. and, and gritty comic book. Yeah, it the, wasn't the let's go eat pizza yeah. and play video game.
2: The whole thing was in black and white cuz yeah. it was independently produced as well as I remember it, at the beginning yeah. anyway. Usually had a color cover, but inside the pages are black and white and they used that and just had this you know this great oh, it, style that you know absolutely. but it was very much of a film noir it was. and a comic book kind of thing with these you know turtles which and of course the idea was the absurdity of mutants and we'll take this and apply this to yeah. you know so it was it was very much poking fun in a loving way, at comics in general. But it was a much darker piece.
0: It really was. And the only way you could distinguish the turtles was by the weapons they used. Right, because right. Because no, you didn't
2: have the color for the bandanas at that That's point. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, no No color to mm-hmm. indicate which is which. Uh, but now, that, Have you
2: ever read Bone, Jeff Smith's Bone? You
0: know, my boys have got Bone. I yeah. have never read Bone.
2: I, I've got it if you ever want to. You've said they've well, got, well, got it. Yeah, they've got all but, of them. But I've got that collection. i never read it before. I'm a huge Pogo fan, Walt Kelly fan, and he's obviously inspired by that. But that was, to me, and I'm not sure who the – the house was behind that. I'm not sure who he was with at the time. I don't think it was either DC or Marvel. It was yeah. uh, some uh, one of the other other comics, and I, I hate that I don't know who that is right off the bat. But it's a great, it's a great, it's a huge book, but it's well, a great thing.
0: You know, and that's often uh, that's classified as a young adult comic, right? And so you'll see that in Scholastic reading fairs. And yeah. I think that's where the boys got their mm-hmm. first collection of it, and the oldest son has got all of them yeah. at this point. It,
2: it's not at all derivative of, but there's a certain amount of uh, Lord of the Rings feel to it just yeah. in the setting of the thing just because of the way it, where it takes place but uh, like I said it's a great one I really like that one a lot
0: so what are you reading currently you got any current books you know we're talking graphic novels are there any current graphic novels that are maybe just finished in the last four or five years that well got? I
2: mentioned this early, an earlier earlier an podcast but Mal's by Art Spiegelman which is the story of his parents mm-hmm. uh, experience in, uh, in Nazi uh, Germany and uh, Nazi-occupied Poland. And then they ultimately end up in, uh, in a prisoner of war camp. And uh, just read that, and that's been around forever. And I never read that, got it for Christmas from one of my sons, and uh, read that uh, and just loved that, thought that was great, really really thought that was an incredible uh, piece of work. And again, it's very, very much outside of the mainstream. You know, as, a, as I said, a bronze DC superhero fan, it's very much outside of that. Uh, I'm also going back to, and uh, revisiting some of the French uh, artists, you know, Mobius is always a favorite, and some of the stuff that he did for heavy metal has been collected in some in some books. And he actually produced some pieces that were, in you know, written as graphic novels.
0: You know, I'm I'm fervently looking up the uh, who wrote the the current uh, the vision. Miniseries. Okay. There's, there's two of them that came out
2: that was just fabulous, and I apologize. And I'll say it. that uh, Bone was done by Image Comics. I just looked that up, and I should have realized that because they were they were a great alternative uh, comic book house. They had some uh, great titles. They, yeah, they really were. And uh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Jim Lee, all those guys yeah. were associated with them at one time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the Vision miniseries, um, and it was a pretty – I think it was a six-episode run. Uh, not episode. I'm
2: stuck in television land. Mm-hmm. Six-issue Issue.
0: issue. Uh, let's see. Uh, talk for a little
2: bit, all right? Let okay. me look it up. All right. Uh, I t- tell you what. You talked about the most influential Batman story to you being the Dark Knight, and I can certainly see that. But for me, and I've got – do you remember the uh, oversized books you used to get? I think uh, Marvel oh, called them the uh, collected treasury editions yeah. or whatever, and then DC had a similar thing. Uh, they had, a, had one of those – of, and it's a Daughter of the Demon story. It's about uh Rush Al Ghul. I have that. Uh, yeah, with yeah. the Neil Adams cover, wraparound yeah. cover. That is my favorite comic book that I own. Son uh, of the Demon. It's, it's, it, it's, I think Son of the Demon may have been the one that, was, that came afterwards that uh, what one was of your friends one? did that. But it includes all those. And this is before, anyway, I can't remember what the actual name of the, the series is, but it includes several different episodes from the comics. Neil Adams uh, was the primary artist on it, uh, Irv Nevick did some stuff as well. And Denny O'Neil wrote the whole thing, and it is just to me, it's it's one of the it's it's the story that if I were to make a movie of Batman, this is the story I would want to make. And really had high hopes when they first brought uh, uh, Batman back to the screen with Christian Bale that they might do more of that. They kind of touched on it a little bit with the with the Batman Begins story.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did. And uh, but that that whole demon series was just the, yeah the whole idea of you know was it Talia yeah.
2: Talia Al Ghul. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Great stuff. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So, Art did a great job of
2: <laughs> covering for you. While covering you for at me. It. Yeah. um
0: Tom King, uh, Vision. Uh, the so the the Vision miniseries that uh, they pushed out, I think in 2015, um, capitalizing upon the the popularity of Vision as he comes in with Age of Ultron and the movie universe, and uh, re reimagines. Vision as, uh, you know, just trying to be a normal guy. He makes himself a wife. Mm -hmm. He makes himself a couple of kids cybernetically. He has a dog and they move to, uh, I believe, a DC suburb. And it's crazy because they move in. Everybody knows who they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, spoiler alert, but the wife goes crazy and he (laughs) has to basically deactivate. It's, it's, yeah. Wow. That sounds great. pretty good. And
2: when did, How? How long ago did that come out? Uh, 2015. Okay. So it's fairly recent. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Tom King uh, wrote that, and uh, he interned at both DC and Marvel. And I think he. Uh, oh yeah. He was an assistant to uh, Chris Claremont. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, Cl- Chris Claremont, the the Godfather of the X books. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy who who invented a lot of the mythos.
2: Yeah. And really, you know, nothing against the late great Stan Lee and. Jack Kirby, but that Chris Claremont run is is to me the definitive X Men Absolutely, run, you know, absolutely, uh, absolutely is.
0: Uh, what is it? God loves man, kills. Yeah, yeah. remember that? Yeah, yeah that yeah. was, a, yeah, yeah, that was a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Uh, wow, man, we have we've blown through some time here. I mean, even without Jay in studio, <laughs> it goes by quickly. So, all right, final words, Mister Shirley.
2: Uh, you know, just uh, like I said. I agree with you. I think that this graphic novel thing is probably where a lot of people are seeing things uh, as opposed to waiting issue by issue. I do miss those days when you used to go back and do issue by issue kind of stuff. But I hope that people will, you know, I think that as we see you know, the Oscars coming up this week and, and Black Panther movies, people are enjoying the movies. I'd like for them to go back and see the artwork and see the people that actually produce these things, you know, years ago, modern day, whatever it is, but see the talent that's behind a lot of these stories. So speaking of, you know, going back to
0: issue by issue, did you ever have a subscription directly for Marvel or DC? I
2: never did that. You know, I I started to do that several times because I thought that would be, you know, a great way to do that. And uh, I just never did. And I don't know if it's because you know it's hard to imagine now but back in the day that was such a hassle to do that you had to <laughs> get it you had to get a check from somebody you had yeah. to send something off and yeah. who knew what what happened with it you Yeah. Know? so and just never did that and i think they at that time were coming in you might get the issue 3 weeks after it had been on the stands, you know, yeah. so you didn't get them right away if I remember correctly for yeah. people that did have. Well, like, yeah. And did uh, you do
0: that? I did. I did for Star Wars and uh, I was a huge and still am a Doctor mm-hmm. Who fan and we're in, we're in episode 8 and have hardly talked Doctor Who. I may have to kick Art and Jay mm-hmm. off and just talk Doctor Who. Um but uh, the Doctor Who, the Marvel Doctor Who comic book, they were republishing stuff from the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so it was very difficult to get that book. And uh, so, as a huge Doctor Who fan in the in the mid '80s, and so subscribe to the to Marvel for the Doctor Who comic yeah. book. So that was that was always fun, and I loved getting things in the mail like most yeah. of us did back. Yeah, then. that's right. And so you'd wait for your new issue, and it would show up, yeah. and it's like, ah, oh, you, you run inside and you open it up and pour over it. And at one point, we need to go back and talk about the um, the ads in the comic books.
2: Yeah, that'd be a good that'd be a good uh, podcast too. because they, Yeah, oh, Sea Monkeys. Yeah, 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 that's right. The yeah. man, insult that made a man out of Mac. We, you know, all these, and of course, you know, my personal favorite, the hostess ads. Oh, yeah. Because absolutely. I firmly believe that Green Lantern was eating Twinkies sometimes. Did you really? Yeah. I, wow. I knew he was. Because wow. I believed in Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah. he had to be there eating Twinkies. But did
0: you believe in Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern?
2: You know, I actually kind of like that movie better than most people, which is not saying much of it is. Really no, he's he's Deadpool. Yeah. He's absolutely de- And I think now he's Deadpool even when he was playing Green Lantern. You would realize this was all just a scam. He was just pulling something
0: off. Yeah, maybe so. And maybe yeah. so. I did like Sinestro from the Green Lantern movie. Yeah. But that's, oh man. All right. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to get off it. Yeah. Thing. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.